Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us here at Cloud Wars Live, where we explore today's digital business revolution by speaking with the business executives and thought leaders who are profoundly changing how the world works, lives, plays, learns, and dreams. Our guest today is CEO Dan Drabaugh of the world-renowned sports, orthopedic surgery, and regenerative medicine facility, the Stedman Clinic. And Dan, welcome to the Cloud Wars Live podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. It's great to be with you on the podcast. I'm excited for today. All right, Dan, that's great. Speaking about exciting, what the clinic has been doing, and we came from UPMC, uh, an enormous healthcare facility. Now, Stedman Clinic is much smaller, but some of the things you're doing are really extraordinary. So tell us a little bit, Dan, about the latest at the Stedman Clinic. Well, Bob, it it is exciting and a lot of change that's happening in in medicine, uh, the advancement of medicine, and especially in sports medicine, uh, rapid change. And the Stedman Clinic, as you correctly identified, it is world-renowned. It is globally based. Many of our patients come from all across the United States but also across the world, across almost every country. And so I look at our business and we're in the business of patient-centered care and delivering results on that. And the world-class care that we focus on really requires advanced technologies. And whenever you talk about cloud wars, we definitely feel like it's a constant and changing environment. So we're never satisfied until we really deliver on the results and have the world-class care with every single individual that comes to the clinic. Yeah, Dan, you know, maybe one example of that, I think you were relatively new into your tenure at the Stedman Clinic. And I I think it's fair to say when you started there, clearly the, you know, sports medicine and orthopedic surgery were the hallmarks of Stedman. And fairly soon after that, is this right that you also brought in the regenerative medicine expertise there? Tell us what you're thinking, what went into that? Because I think that's one of those examples of you know, constantly evolving and and driving new innovation in the organization. Great point, Bob. It was and still is one of the key areas of focus for us, regenerative medicine. We believe, the clinic believes, it's built upon evidence-based medicine. So everything we do is built on 30 plus years of robust patient outcomes data, ensuring that every patient comes here has a superior outcome in their surgical procedure and in their care. And as you look at that, it's just constantly looking at the human body and how it heals. And the reality is that we're learning day by day and the advancements are coming very rapidly, but the human body heals itself. There's things such as platelet-rich plasma, and BMAC and other technologies. And we were fortunate to recruit Dr. Johnny Heward. Dr. Heward was the director of regenerative medicine at the University of Pittsburgh for 22 years. I worked with him during that time. And he was one of the individuals that discovered the muscle stem cell. 
And what we found through his technology is that the body through stem cells and through other technologies can heal itself. So we believe now it isn't just a clinic surgical play, but it's also a regenerative medicine initiative or play as well. And Dan, those both, Gwenda, I'm sorry, I'm not going to get this quite right, but I, I think what I've seen around Stedman is your sort of your mission or your, your tagline is telling people, you know, stay healthy, stay active. Yes. And no doubt about it. We know now that the human body with exercise, it does much more than just increases endorphins. It actually is increasing stem cells in the human body. These stem cells are created on the blood vessels, originate from the blood vessels. So whenever you exercise, you have angiogenesis and you create more stem cells and you're healthier. So no doubt, uh, looking back at the days when Richard Stedman started the Stedman Clinic, the regenerative piece and much of the science that he discovered uh, had everything to do with regenerative medicine. Interesting extension in some ways, right, Dan, of the Stedman Clinic brand and the promise that you you offer to patients uh, with your patient-centered care. Yeah, you know, Bob, it's it's interesting. As I get older, I look at this and I see things now where, you know, the extension of, you know, all of us want to live longer and not only live longer, but live healthier. As we look at the aging process, there's many things that contribute to aging. And I think that, you know, you go back 20 years ago, we all thought of it as something that just happens. It's just a natural process to age. Now we're beginning to understand that some scientists would call aging a disease. And so, um, yeah, it is. uh, It's fascinating. And again, the science is rapidly advancing. And as part of this, for us at Stedman Philippon Research Institute, we want to ensure that we're always on the leading edge of the advancements and really from the standpoint of clinical translation. So we think of it, again, never being satisfied. The evidence-based research drives the clinical care. And so, you know, one of the differentiators that I see is that this never being satisfied, our docs will go into a procedure, have an idea, a creative idea, while they're in surgery, come back to the clinic, come back to the surgical skills area, the robotics area, and begin testing and analyzing this new creative idea. So it's changing constantly. And in today's world, clinical translation, I mean, it can take probably on average about anywhere from 16 to 18 years for a discovery to become the norm in the delivery of patient care. And that's just too long is our view. We want to do it much more rapidly. We want to do it with safe, good science, but we want to do it more rapidly. We want to clinically translate the new advancements in science to our patients faster and better than anyone else. That's one of the remarkable things we see, not only in your field, but in so many different types of businesses. Companies are finding that the way they did things in the past, more in the uh, segmented, slow-moving 
siloed organizations that, that just didn't see the, this is how we did in the past, this is how we do it now. I think they're finding that recombining some of those processes, sharing some of the data, working across what were formerly some pretty hard and fast walls in the organization, they're able to do things that were never before possible. Is that a fair assessment of what you're seeing? Very fair assessment, Bob. The, the thing that's interesting, you know, you and I have lived in the tech world for most of our careers. You look at like agile programming and, the, you know, the iterative process that you go through. And what you're seeing is that, you know, with the outcomes data, the large super mega data sets that are out there today. And we hear about AI and we see AI and that, you know, your large tech companies are advancing in those areas. What we're beginning to see is, is that predictive modeling, artificial intelligence, it's an iterative process and it's something that requires which gets into the Cloud Wars theme, it requires being able to process vast amounts of data quickly. But as you revise your findings, that you can keep that data moving almost like it takes on a life of its own. Yeah. And so, you know, for us, Bob, which you realize this, you've you visited uh, with us, we're in the biz business of patient-centered care. We're really not in the business of technology. And yet, probably, not probably, one of the most essential things to deliver world-class patient-centered care is world-class technology. And we're, we're small, we're very nimble, but we don't have the resources of a UPMC, let's say, in the tech world. And so as part of that, this is why we're finding cloud-based solutions are pivotal to everything we're doing. It's a foundational, uh, you know, in the tech world, you would call it infrastructure. Yeah. In, in yeah. our business world, we would call it foundational. Technology is foundational to everything we do to deliver on our core business of patient-centered care. Oh, Dan, that's a, that's a great perspective on it. And I think that one of the most exciting things, uh, you know, as you've just described it, about the emergence of the cloud and sort of the mainstreaming of it is the accessibility to these staggering sets of compute power, of storage, of data analytics, and a number of those things are now available to companies of any size through this, uh, the new cloud model. You know this, Bob, for any business, staying nimble, being creative, delivering best-in-class customer service. It's what differentiates your businesses, your business from the next business. That, that's got to be where you reach into your bag of tricks, both from your professional training, and I think your personality suited to it as well, to be able to, to bridge that gap. That, that can't always be easy, especially with a, a team of you know, extraordinarily well-qualified surgeons that you have. Yeah, and, and, you know, the growth, Bob, uh, within the Stedman Clinic in the number of surgeons, I think we've doubled over the last two years wow. in terms of uh, physicians and obviously their teams. And that growth and the expertise in recruiting nationally and internationally and finding the best of the best. And, you know, that pursuit is really, I think, in 
for all of us who are in CEO positions or something that becomes just a norm for us in the sense of always pursuing the excellence, Bob. And that's what I'm seeing. And, you know, I'm tying it back to Cloud Wars. You look at it. I mean, companies now have an opportunity to be at the top of their game, delivering excellence every single day without setbacks that occur because of technology changes and the cycle of technology change. Yeah, I know that we've talked some on here about it that you know, money is always an issue and budgets are important, but uh, it seems like that the real pressing issue these days is time and that companies, Dan, you know, you're a young guy relative to me, but I remember some of these things when, you know, companies would embark on seven or 10 year plans and you could almost see it like at an executive meeting or a board meeting, somebody saying, okay, we're at month 62 of our 10 year plan. And uh, (laughs) where do we stand? It's just, and that wasn't that long ago, right? Oh, you know, you did the five-year plan and, you know, yeah. never, ever, no one ever, you know, you, you would exceed it or never hit it. And it's <laughs> like looking out that far. I mean, I think it's good. I would explain it's good to have vision, right? To look out that far yeah. and to see where you would like to be. But I think, you know, probably three-year plan, not probably, I, I'm convinced three-year plan is all the further I would go yeah. out. And actually, I'd focus more on revised forecasting on a quarterly basis to just, you know, realign the resources of the company and the assets of the company to deliver on that long-term vision. I look at it in our world with patient-centered care. Every single patient that walks through our door may require something a little different, a little fine-tuning. And you have one opportunity to make it right. And that's on each of those examples where you know it could be better. And so it is an agile process. It is something that you that you live. It becomes a component, you know, a living, breathing component of your organization. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Dan, with that, you, you talk about the individuals and every individual, whatever his or her age or uh, position in life or or what they're doing is important to Stedman, but it's unmistakable to somebody who visits your offices out there that, uh, you know, the hallways, the walls are are decorated with, you know, uniforms and jerseys of some truly world famous athletes from every major sport. And uh, these are people who have the, the means and the motivation to pick any medical facility in the world, but so many of them are picking Stedman. Why is that? Because of the outcomes, Bob. The patient outcomes here, my opinion, and I'm partial, I think think you can come here and expect the outcome that you're looking for. And and with that comes the communication on what outcome, what patient outcome you should be looking for. It's a constant within the clinic, the constant pursuit of excellence is why I think the differentiator, I think that's one of them. So when you come here for surgery, to give you an idea, Bob, one of our surgeons, now 40% of his cases are revisions. So that means it wasn't done right Uh the first time. And so you want it done right the first time, right? You're talking about your own body that's being repaired. And so, you know, I think that's not, I think I know that's a definite 
differentiator at the Stedman Clinic. I, I think the second differentiator is a culture of, you know, I keep using the word patient-centered care, but, you know, you, you in another business, you may call customer service, you know, treating each patient as if they are the world-class athlete. They are the number one baseball player. They are the number one drafted NFL player. Yeah. You know, we treat yeah. everyone that way. There's not a differentiation. And we treat those world-class athletes, like you say, you can walk down the hall and see, you know, pretty much Hall of Famers on both sides of the wall. But yeah. yet, I can walk in, you can walk in, any one of our relatives can walk in, family members, friends, and they get the identical care. Hey, Dan, I was, uh, earlier this year, I was asked to moderate a pretty big discussion. It was about data and big data in the, broadly in the healthcare field. One of the speakers was from the, you know, a, a bioengineering specialty. And I saw in reading about his background that he was on the faculty of the medical school. So I just went over and I wanted to check with him beforehand. I said, I want to make sure I get this right. You, so you're not an MD, but you're on the faculty of the medical school. And he said, yes. And I said, that seems unusual. Is that, is that becoming at all the norm? And he kind of laughed and he said, well, five years ago, it would have been quite unusual. He said, but now I think he said there were more than maybe 20 close to 25 faculty from the engineering school on the medical school faculty now, because he said the students coming in have their eyes much more open to the possibility of, I don't mean this literally, but the fusing of, you know, engineering disciplines, biomedical tools and research and capabilities with the human body. So that educational experience that you were on, you know, a few years back, it really seems to be exploding onto the scene and tying a couple of disciplines more closely together than they ever have been. Is, is that an accurate reading of it? That is a very accurate reading. What you're seeing is the delivery of care is a team approach. You know, you have a quarterback, let's call the surgeon the quarterback. You know, the biomed engineer could be the wide receiver, like Dr. Heward, the regenerative medicine scientist with regenerative medicine technologies and science can be the, I probably think of him as, you know, the center on the yeah. team in the yeah. sense of the, you know, the belief that the body can heal itself while you may require a surgery and how it heals and how you accelerate the healing. So medicine has become, and always was a team sport, but it's broadened its pool of resources that contribute to the delivery of care. And so as you look at that, the biomed engineers, we have a team of, I think now close to 20 PhDs, masters, uh, medical school students that work daily with all of our physicians on uh -huh different research, different technologies. Uh, they go into the operating rooms. They, it's like, you know, the example I gave earlier, Dr. Yeah. Heward being called into the patient room as a PhD scientist in re regenerative medicine and explaining a really important finding of his 
that could change the healing process in this individual. It's such a, a wild time right now. And, you know, I, you're, you're talking about patient-centered outcomes. And on you, you reflected a, a little bit on the, the tech industry at that, right? For years, the, the sort of the one metric in the tech industry was people talked about customer satisfaction. And I guess, you know, in some of those days, if you got the darn thing to run and not break down at the most critical time, okay, I'm satisfied. But I, I think in some ways, the, the enterprise technology world of the past set a somewhat low bar. Are you satisfied? Might you buy from us next time? And then, you know, consider that a victory. I think in more recent years, Dan, especially with the rise of the cloud, those metrics seem to have been flipped away from satisfaction to loyalty on the one hand, but even more important that all the big tech vendors, all the cloud vendors have now these pretty big, robust teams that aren't about satisfaction or loyalty, it's customer success. Yep. And I know Microsoft CFO, anytime speaking with financial analysts, always talks about, you know, we don't pay our salespeople on the transaction. We pay them on consumption. And only when it, we seeing the customer using it, achieving success, achieving not our sales quotas, but the customer's business initiatives, then do we score that as a success. So I think that's a very healthy good and positive thing for the tech industry to get. And it's got to be terrific for folks on your side who are, you know, more interested in what you're achieving than is the uh, tech vendor achieving his or her sales goals. Yeah, I think, you know, I can give you two examples of that, Bob, where we find, you know, the speed to delivery and the focus on our business and how it's delivered. So am I allowed to mention companies on, on this or you prefer? You, cer you certainly are, Dan. <laughs> okay, we, we selected a cloud vendor about a year ago, Bob, for uh, our electronic health record. The company's called ModMed. And ModMed has a different model, a guy named Dan Kane, who you may know, Dan started Blackboard and uh -huh. sold that company and then went into the medical business. And, and ModMed is focused on what we call subspecialties. I believe they started in the dermatology area and then moved to ophthalmology and then wanted to get into orthopedics, high-end orthopedic sports medicine. And so we became ModMed's pilot site, uh -huh. development site. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just fascinated by it because I've never seen the type of speed and delivery and execution in my entire career. And, you wow. know, I was, you know, wow. I was around it a long time. ModMed's delivering 12 upgrades a year. Six uh -huh. of those are major upgrades. While that's going on in parallel, you partner on development, like uh, we did a PDF library. Uh, we partnered on the design and implementation. You know, if you look at the traditional model, if you got one release per quarter, you were happy. <laughs> right. You know, um, yeah. So there's been, over this past year, 79 enhancements. Here's wow. another one. So ModMed has proven to be the type of partner strategic partner that we desire. Dan, let me ask you, please, a final question. It's been fantastic. Can you give us a quick snapshot of what you see is next for you and your team? 
Yeah, that's interesting. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about it. I think for us, okay, the focus on aging, pursuing advanced aging research is where we're heading. We believe now that we can slow the process of aging and that the results of patient outcomes we can get from diseases and other conditions, you know, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis. We feel we are and will continue to come up with solutions that are differentiating. We believe that in the genomics world, leading edge genomics, proteomics, and metabolomics research labs are pivotal to the delivery of medicine. We believe what we call bio-inspired materials, you know, collaborations with some of the top nanotechnology centers in the world, and where you take that nanotechnology and create bio-inspired materials that lead for rapid clinical translation is a must and is something that we're going to be positioning consistently to achieve and execute upon. Dan, now, great lessons on, on many, many levels. And, and overall, Dan, really, you've been a, a fantastic conversation. And thank you so much for your time and insights. Thank you, Bob. As always, great to be with you. And I look forward to our next time together. Dan, thanks. Thanks. And, yep. and many thanks to all of you listeners for joining us here on Cloud Wars Live, where we explore the unfolding adventures of digital transformation and other technologies, such as the ones Dan just mentioned and how those are profoundly changing how we live, work, play, learn, and experience the world. I hope you'll join us for other episodes of Cloud Wars Live, and please share your feedback with me at bobevanspa at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.